You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national, sometimes the international. And like the dude just said, we cover down solid conservative and just plain right. Well, hey, uh, it is um, it is Thursday, which around here we like to call Friday Eve. So it is Friday Eve. Friday Eve. Friday Eve, rainy outside, oh. warm inside because the air conditioning in the studio has gone out. But nonetheless, Boomer's on the board. I'm here. Hey, buddy. How are you? <laughs> I'm looking outside with the rain. I'm like, man, do I want to be in the rain because it's so hot in here already? I'm saying. So, yeah. <laughs> Not only do we have a lot of hot air in this studio anyway, but we got exactly. every every electronic device known to man is, is trying to cool itself in here. The temperatures are uh, unusually high for a March, and the air conditioning decided it was on the fritz. And just, we just got a new air conditioning. And we just got we? a new AC unit. <laughs> Oh, well. It's okay. It's all right. I've been hotter in my life, I can just tell you. Mm. So, uh, Hey, we got a great show laid on for you today. So, uh, yeah, at 3 o'clock, Matt Clark from the Alabama Center for Law and Liberty is calling in. A lot of updates, things that are happening in the legal environment. So we're going to get his take on a few things, some he's been a part of, some he's just going to report on with us. And it'll it'll be a great follow-up to the first section of the Triple Dipper that I'm going to be doing. It's legal in nature, but... Uh, but that's at 3 o'clock. You're going to want to stay tuned. Matt Clark always brings the heat when he comes on. So uh, that's that. And then that new favorite segment, the thing that I love doing every Thursday, Boomer and McQueen. You know it. Boomer and McQueen, both on at 3.30. Oh, man, I just, that's, I just enjoy that segment, Boomer, just so oh, you know. Man. Oh, we're excited. <laughs> that's the first thing uh, McQueen was talking about this morning. All right, we're Boomer and McQueen Day. <laughs> <laughs> good. Good, good, good. All right. And then I got a whole triple dipper. So uh, hit it. The Triple Dipper. Three stories you've got to know. That's right. The Triple Dipper. Three stories, three themes, if you will, that you have got to know as we run today's show. So the first out the gate law review. So if you're a lawyer, by the way, when you go to law school, most law schools have an opportunity for you to participate in what's known as the law review. And it's, sometimes it's kind of elite, you know, and it looks good on your resume. Uh, but law review, that's number one of the triple dipper today. As we go down the issues, the trends, and even some things that you might want to know in terms of the fight for conservatism in the legal environment. Number one out the triple dipper, law review. Number two, gender benders. So, yeah. It's amazing. I mean, first of all, when did this become such a thing? I mean, I, so used to be there could be the idea of, you know, uh, a different lifestyle. And, you know, and if people did that, they kept to themselves. At the very least, it wasn't worth talking about in public. Not anymore. Not anymore. Now it's gone so far as to uh, be in your face every single day. And we're going to talk about it. And that's number two on the Triple Dipper, gender benders. And then number three. This is a little disturbing. So China just flew that balloon over our country, right? Just literally flew a spy balloon over our country, the length and breadth of the country. China, what is often referred to as our near-peer adversary on the world stage. China is here. 
What do you mean they're here? I mean they're here. China's establishing presence right here in the United States. Not uncommon for there to be a consulate or a, you know, uh, uh, a business uh, opportunity that's you know from a different country, but this is different. I'm going to unpack it for you. China is here, number three on the triple dipper. All right, let me let me flip the gears here and go over to my monologue for the day. So um, I'll just tell you, if, if it's a story that I've told before, so be it. But one of my favorite passages in the Bible is also an old school sermon that my former pastor gave back in the 80s. And the passage comes from 1 Samuel chapters 13 and 14. The story is often referred to as Jonathan and his armor bearer. And oh man, it's a great story. Like every once in a while, you know, there's a story of any kind that just grabs your heart and mind, makes you want to do more, be more, accomplish more. Well, this story is one of those for me. Jonathan and his armor bearer. If I've mentioned it, like I said before, then just please forgive me. It's just that powerful. It's a battlefield story. It's a story of heroism. It's a story of getting something big done against even bigger odds. It's a story, too, that illustrates very clearly that sometimes, sometimes the issue is less about the end goal, more about just starting. Just starting. So here's the deal. In this particular story, Saul was still the king, he was, and the Philistines were oppressing Israel. There were no weapons on the Israelite side because they had actually uh, been banned for the most part. But the Philistines were now threatening war, and they had marched out to battle. So Saul rallied up what he could, and were told that many of his soldiers were so scared that they were in hiding. It was bad. Philistines were intent on ravaging the Israelites, but Saul, he had a son named Jonathan. And Jonathan, he just could not abide by what he was seeing. Now, the Philistine army, they were huge, and they were well-stocked with weapons and chariots and supplies, and they were camped on one side of the valley, and Saul, what he could muster as an army, sort of, was camped on the other ridge across the valley. And Israel, like I said, was intimidated. Most of its people were in hiding. But Jonathan, Saul's son, Jonathan had a notion. And he looked at his aide. His aide is referred to as an armor-bearer. He looked at his armor-bearer, and he said, Here's pretty much a quote. He said, let's go over to those uncircumcised and see if the Lord will work for us, for God is not restrained to save by many or by few. Listen to that again. Let's go over to those uncircumcised and see if the Lord will work for us, for God is not restrained to save by many or by few. You look it up. That's it. He said literally, let's see if God's in it. Now, what kind of plan is that? I mean, if I was the armor bearer, I might have taken issue with that kind of military planning. I mean, really, what it boiled down to was, I have an idea. Let's see if it works. But his armor bearer was as much a hero as Jonathan was, and he responded, you do all that's in your heart, and I will be there with you. So basically, two guys up against an army with no real plan, just a heart for what they believe was right, and not even sure if yet they fully understood what God would do in it, but they started. And that's the rub. They just started. And the story goes that teeth and hair were flying soon after Jonathan and his armor bearer moved across the valley and they wiped out an entire garrison of Philistines, just put a whooping on them. And it caught the attention of Saul, who could see and hear the fight across the way. And he took a roll call and quickly realized that Jonathan had left the camp, so it must be him across the way, neck deep in the fight. And it galvanized the nation of Israel. And they came up out of hiding with a renewed sense of purpose, and they joined the fight, and they won. And the victory was huge. But the outcome, the outcome was originally uncertain. The desire was great, the talent was strong, the need was there, but what, what was the outcome going to be? Let's see if God is in it, is what he said. Because on its face, it really made no sense. It made no sense at all. It was really a bad plan, to be honest with you. And these people who had a nation that was founded on seeking God and his deliverance, 
they were the benefactors of two guys who weren't even sure yet as they struck out across the way. The difference between Jonathan and his armor bearer and apparently everyone else in the entire nation of Israel was that he was bold enough to just start. You see, history is filled with greatness that follows from someone who was not great being willing to step out to the unknown and just start. It's the difference between being willing to step out assertively and take a risk as opposed to being stuck in a siege mentality. You see, in a siege mentality, you find yourself cowering down, barricading the gates, fretting over your resources to see how long they'll last. In a siege mentality, you find yourself preserving and protecting, but not moving. In a siege mentality, you just maintain the status quo. There's not any starting of anything when you sit in a siege mentality. There's no effort. There's no progress. In a siege mentality, you're just trying to hold on to what you got and hope that someone somewhere will eventually show up and help you. Well, it's hard to start anything when you're hunkered down in a siege mentality. And when you start, here's the next piece, you have to actually go. You see, Jonathan, he could have taken two steps and stopped, and it would have made sense, really. He had to start, but he actually, actually had to go all the way across the valley, up the cliff, into the midst of the enemy before he could really know what the outcome was going to be. You look at history. You find the great moments. You will find someone or some group, usually smaller in number or scale than their opposition, who stepped out of a siege mentality, who started and then had to go and do something that galvanized true change. I mean, just starting and then going. Look at the Panama Canal. Teddy Roosevelt had a notion. Congress and the press and the public all thought it was crazy. The very idea that a project that had already failed once should be taken up again? Dig a canal across the entire isthmus of Panama? That's crazy, and it was. But Teddy Roosevelt said that he knew that if he gave the project over to the debate of the naysayers, that they would debate it for 50 years. So he determined that he would rather dig the canal and let the naysayers debate him for 50 years. So he dug it, and it started with a shovel of dirt. It just started, and it went on and on. And today, there are entire realms of world commerce that use and rely on the Panama Canal. The shipbuilding industry uses the size and the depth of the Panama Canal to determine how they build their ships. It has become the standard. It changed world commerce. It opened up trade and removed barriers. And it all happened because Roosevelt just just started. And he had to go. And he did. I could name any number of moments in history that measure up the same way. Reagan said, tear down this wall. And soon after that, the fall of the Soviet Union occurred. Bill Gates decided to start a little company called Microsoft in his garage. And it became the world leader in technology and has a trillion dollar impact. A little-known record company in Memphis, Tennessee called Sun Records changed the world of music because it took a chance on a young guy named Elvis Presley. Later on, it went on to sign Charlie Rich and Roy Orbison and Jerry Lee Lewis and Johnny Cash. You see, in every one of those moments, someone had to do something. They had to get out of their siege mentality. They had to start, and they had to actually go. They had to actually go across the valley to where the opposition was camped and sometimes not even knowing if it would work. They had to start, and they had to go. Old man I heard about used to say in an old man wisdom sort of way, Ah, Lord, a lot see, but a few know. A lot start, but a few go. You see, somewhere along the way, somewhere in the midst of the siege, someone has to step out and say, let's see what happens here. And you might go across the way and you might get skinned up a mite. But in the middle of starting and going, you might get neck deep and find that God's in it. And the people who are around you will get roused up and it can make all the difference. We don't, we don't have the luxury these days, in my opinion, of being in a siege mentality. We don't. The liberal left wants our demise and the demise of our whole culture. And it's going to take getting outside the siege mentality. It's going to take someone willing to start and go. 
And that's a wrap for the right side way. Well, maybe it's you. I may be preaching to myself for that matter. But the reality is you, you can't hunker down and expect there to be change. You can't. You can't just cower down behind the barricades and, and, and sort of count your supplies and hope it's going to last. Somebody somewhere is going to have to get outside that siege. Someone's going to have to step out, start, and actually go. And you'd be amazed what happens when that, when that occurs. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid and conservative and just plain right. So um, text lines are open, 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. You can call it or text it. If you text it for the very first time, then uh, text the word right side, and you'll get a message back that says something like, hey, you right side ruffian, uh, thanks for joining us, um, and uh, and then tell us your first name and your, where you're from, and we'll get you plugged into the system. I mean, we got like... Hundreds and hundreds. I mean, I, I know we're we're somewhere in the neighborhood of what five hundred and fifty people in the system now. Yeah, maybe more. Hold on, I would have to check, but it's uh, right around there. There's a lot of people. Okay, well, cool. And we get a lot of texts. Uh, I'm looking right now up on the screen too. Boomer on the left side screen. CNN showing a weather report, and that's over in Louisiana, so I'm not as worried. And they moved it to Texas, but they're also saying though there's stuff moving our way. Um, so. Uh, yeah, look at that, boom. You can see the screen. There's a, there's a red cell coming our way. So, okay, just be aware, folks, that we are hearing that, that there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a threat of strong weather uh, coming towards our listening area. Um, it could be here as early as tonight, I believe. Boomer, are you going to look that up for us in a minute and see if we can pull something together? And yeah, I'm, I'm looking it up right now on yeah. weather. I, I think that's uh, – I think we'll, we'll put that out as soon as we got it. Text lines have got some folks on it already. Brian from Huntsville says, uh, thanks for the Bible study. And he says, I mean that, though. He says, Don Quixote, at least he made decisions. If it works or not, the, deci- the indecision can gnaw at the soul. I agree with that. I mean, it's not about being reckless. You know, my, my monologue was not about doing something stupid or being reckless or, or you know, not taking into account stewardship of your resources or whatever. Not at all. It's just saying that sometimes there's going to have to be risk involved and there's going to have to be somebody who's willing to take that risk in order to get to the, the level of achievement that you know you can. Um, so there's, there's, there's that. Brian from Huntsville, thank you very much. Uh, JT from Lacey Springs, I think because I had mentioned that I may have told the story before, he says, uh, apologize not for repeat comments or experiences. Each time a new meaning reveals itself. And he mentions one that I had told about one of my deployments. Uh, appreciate you, JT. Thank you for that. Uh, Allie from Athens uh, says, thank you for exposing the C's mentality in me today, sir. And, and well, I appreciate you, my friend. Um, so, uh, yeah, get her done. Uh, Raven from Russell, Russellville says, uh, folks who never start nothing, never finish nothing. That's there's, there's wisdom. I felt like we could write that one down, hang it on the wall. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's probably a few people 
who looked at me when I said I'm starting a radio show in my late 50s and said, what is wrong with that guy? <laughs> I don't know. I just had to start. See what happens. Um, just went with it. I just did. And, and by the way, that's been kind of cool, I'll be honest. So, yeah, uh, never done radio before. How in God's name does this happen? And next thing you know, I am just sitting at my desk at the law firm every afternoon with a microphone, just just talking into it, hoping somebody is listening. And and, <laughs> and, and Boomer laughs. But now here we are uh, over a year and a half later. Nielsen Rankings put this as the top afternoon talk show in North Alabama. Uh, we are syndicated. We're, we're, we're branched out across half the entire state. Uh, and, oh, by the way, I'm not alone. I got Boomer sitting here. So that's just like, you know, icing I'm on right the cake. here. All right. <laughs> Get her done. It, so on the weather stuff, it looks like uh, some more storms are, may hit tomorrow, right around midnight. And then, uh, it, but a big cell may just go right over like the Huntsville area, oh, oh. up into like the Tennessee area. Oh, you mean, oh, into Tennessee, you mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Another well, big cell. All right. Just, just, just have a weather eye out there, y'all. Uh, have your, have your weather plan as, as needed. Um, you know, uh, I don't. I don't know if they. I don't know where James Spann. James Spann just broadcasts in the Birmingham uh, market that we're in, and 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 folks who folks who have been in the Birmingham area for years have relied upon the the indicators of bad weather. Are if James Spann, if you can see his suspenders, meaning he has taken off his jacket, it's getting serious. If James Spann loosens his tie and rolls up his sleeves, it's going to be a long night. That's. I mean, that's. So any of y'all in Huntsville that aren't familiar with James Spann, I would just go ahead and say find him because the guy has been a mainstay in, in taking care of us on the weather for about as, about as long as I've been paying attention to weather, um, uh, which makes him sound really old. Dustin from Hazel Green just texted in and said, we narrowly dodged one that touched down last night outside of Hazel Green. I did not realize that, so I'm glad, I'm glad y'all are well, Dustin. Uh, Alex from Elkmont. He said, uh, without you taking a chance, we wouldn't have Thunderfoot. <laughs> okay, that's that's fair. Um, Jay from Hartzell, uh, when did we become a society that waits on handouts? We have always been a society of action. That is not what the founding fathers envisioned. Jay from Hartzell, good word, brother. Um, uh, we have a brand new texter on the line. Uh, her name is Anita. We don't have where she's from yet, but we'll get that sometime soon. Anita, glad you're a right side ruffian. Appreciate you being in the audience. And then uh, Samai, the truck driver, just texted in and says, everyone wants change, but no one wants to change. Ah, come on, Samai. I know, I know you got some change in you, brother. Um, If you listen to this show, you're probably the kind of person that steps out anyway. All right, more of that. We'll be right back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. Right Side Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, silent conservative, just plain right, covering down on some major ground across the northern half of the beautiful state of Alabama. I'm talking about we go way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back to Gadsden, parts of Georgia and Tennessee, and even Mississippi thrown in just for good measure. Um, by the way, our new texter, Anita, is from uh, South Huntsville. So, Anita, thank you very much. We're glad you're out there. I had a text. Where did it go? Uh, it was Anita. I think it was Anita. She, <laughs> she says, don't slander Dan Satterfield. He's the undisputed Huntsville weather king. I am, I, am, I am making no judgments regarding anyone who predicts and or prognosticates the weather. Uh, I will just say that uh, having spent 30 years in northeast Alabama, which is considered part of the Birmingham market when it comes to TV, that James Spann and his suspenders and rolled up sleeves have long been the standard by which we have uh, measured the weather and its severity. So uh, anyway, nothing against Dan Satterfield. He's a good one. Uh, I, just, I just know James Spann. Um, James, by the way, James Spann's kind of like insurance. You, know, you want to know you got him. You don't want to ever have to use him. Just saying, you know, you drive comfortably knowing you have auto insurance, but you never want to have to use it. So everybody knows that James Spann wears suspenders. Nobody wants to see his suspenders because that means bad things are coming. Um, and uh, uh, Dustin from Hazel Green says, uh, uh, yeah, he points out the one time when Dan Satterfield was talking about it's on top of us. That's, 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 that's an epic moment in weather. I remember the days of Bob Barron. Uh, Bob Barron, who I think is still very active uh, uh, in, um, uh, you know, the the, the weather industry. Um, but Bob Barron was uh, on, was it, I think it was Channel 31 for years when I was growing up in Huntsville. Um, so anyway, uh, oh, now we're getting everybody's favorite weather guy, uh, Boomer. So uh, Alex from uh, Elkmont says, Brad Travis isn't that bad either. Okay. <laughs> Good enough, man. I'm glad. Um Okay. Hey, listen, we're going we're gonna to spend some time talking legal eagles. So uh, lawyer Phil here. Uh, yes, indeed. I actually am a licensed attorney uh, practicing in the state of Alabama. Um, here, here's, here's the thing I want you guys to, to recognize. We get so caught up sometimes talking about Congress and what are they doing and what's the governor up to and who's going to be our U.S. senator? Well, the executive and legislative branches of both the state and federal governments, they're only part of it. And in my opinion, we have become, we conservatives, we have become so much more adept at navigating through public interest legal action. And when I, when I called, there's a term there, public interest law firms. Uh, for years, we've known about the, like the ACLU and the Southern Poverty Law Center and those liberal bastions of, of legal work that try to go in there and muck everything up. And they'll, they'll literally, if there was a conservative bill in Montgomery that we passed and passed, passed proudly, we could almost expect that the lawsuit was drafted before the final vote was counted uh, by somebody like the Southern Poverty Law Center suing the state of Alabama to stop it. The interesting thing is, in probably the last, well, really, 20 years, but, but especially the last 10 years, the conservative movement has become far more adept at taking the fight to liberals on the same field of battle in the judicial branch of government. The court system is really a lot of times where it comes down. I mean, look at Roe v. Wade. So the issue of abortion was less a legislative matter. It was less an executive branch matter. It was, it was pretty much governed by a judicial decision. And it's been undone by a judicial decision in the Dobbs case last year. So 
what I'm what I'm suggesting to you today is if you're especially if you have an interest in the law, there are ways to practice law and there are ways to uh, pursue the law through institutes and organizations that are designed to do this from a conservative bent. It doesn't mean they don't follow the law or they try to skew it in their direction. No, they just know that the fight is just as much one for conservatives as it is for liberals. And they're not going to sit idly by and, and just watch as liberals constantly seem to get their way. In fact, I would dare say this. The Trump administration did more for the court system for conservatives than any administration in modern history. More federal district court appointees and, of course, the makeup now of the Supreme Court of the United States. Had it not been for Trump's nominations and appointees and the confirmations that resulted therefrom, had it not been for those, we would still be looking at Roe v. Wade being the law of the land. Just ponder that for a minute. We're seeing any number of decisions that are happening now that, that relate directly to what conservatives care about that would not be available to us had it not been for recent appointments or confirmations. I will say this, while I get aggravated at Mitch McConnell, and I do, and rightfully so, I believe, that if I had to give him kudos for anything, it's been that he helped spearhead the confirmations of those, um, those appointments to the bench. And, and he helped get it done. It got him through. And we now have a far more conservative makeup in the federal court system than we ever would have to include all the way up to the Supreme Court. All right. Here's the other thing I want you to kind of gather. I've heard it said in legal, in legal you know, surroundings, uh, as I practice law over the, over the last 20 years, that, that the most powerful person in the nation is not the president of the United States. It's not. The most powerful person in the nation is a federal district court judge. What? Yes. A federal district court judge, which is the lowest level of the federal courts. You have the federal district courts, then you have the appellate courts, then you have the Supreme Court. So the federal district court judge, the, the old saying is, is the most powerful person in America because that's the only person that can actually tell the president of the United States what to do. Tell him. Even rebuke him. Everything that happens above that federal district court judge is just an appeal of what he or she did. Interesting. So the federal district court judge is the most powerful person in America. And, oh, by the way, the federal district court judge is appointed for what they call life or good cause, meaning they're not there for a term. They don't have to run for reelection. They are nominated to the bench, confirmed by the, uh, the Senate, and once confirmed, they are there for life or good cause, which basically means they can stay there as long as they want to unless they really, really screw up. So, I mean, if, if they commit a crime or someone finds out they did something unethical or they took a bribe, you can get rid of them. But beyond that, they're there for life or good cause. And, and the, the fact is they have an incredibly important position and that everything that happens above them is just an appeal of what they decided. So that's why it's so important that we conservatives are duking it out, not just on what a good bill in Congress will do, or what are we going to do about that budget, or can we get a gender you know, reform law passed, or what's going to happen with education, or why are we mad at Biden? We better be just as concerned about that third and co-equal branch of government, the court system, because the things that happen in that court system, and right now we're seeing it, man, Second Amendment issues, 
freedom of speech issues, uh, the abortion issue, all these things that impact our daily lives go to the court system. Well, so here, here's one right now, by the way, that's, that's underway as we speak. Freebeacon.com has an article that came out yesterday. It says Biden judicial nominee is on the ropes. So here's the thing. This is one of those federal district court judge appointees. Joe Biden has, uh, you know, nominated him. Go figure. I, I even wonder, you know, when I see stuff like this, does Biden even know who's on the list? I, I, I just question. It matters who's appointed. So in this case, the liberal president gets an opportunity to appoint people that is going to, you know, be of a certain bent, I guess. The guy's name is Michael Delaney. Uh, he's from Minnesota. Minnesota, which is becoming quickly the most liberal state in the nation, um, is now facing issues as his questioning from Republican senators has brought out the fact that when he was a um, an attorney, that he tried to uncover and make known the names of sexual assault victims. And they're saying, wait, 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 wait. You were making money off the exploitation of sexual assault victims in order to protect your client's interests, which just seems really, you know, off and hard hand, hard, 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 uh, heavy handed. So what's happened now, though, is the Democrats begin to turn against him. Even, even Dianne Feinstein's office, which I question whether Dianne Feinstein really knows she has an office now, but Dianne Feinstein uh, issued a questionnaire to him, which is very uncommon for members of the party of the nominating president to try and make it harder for the nominee to get appointed. Well, 42 pages worth of responses later, he had to admit, yes, he did indeed um, try to out the name of the sexual assault victim in a case and we'll see what happens. But that's the kind of thing that, so when you get these confirmation processes underway, that's the kind of thing that happens is the, the hopefully the real past comes out, not the Brett Kavanaugh fake past, but the real past. And you begin to find out, oh, this person, in this case, this person who, you know, kind of ran roughshod over a sexual assault victim now wants to sit in one of the most powerful positions in the entire United States as a federal district court judge. Interesting. That's why conservatives have to be on their toes. We cannot ever allow again the 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 blank check for a Democrat administration just to appoint whoever they want. Oh, we're not it's his right, you know, he gets to appoint whoever he wants. He can appoint, but we have to confirm. And if we have control of the Senate or the ability to block a bad pass, a bad confirmation, we have to do it because the court system matters. Not just lawyer Phil talking. How about conservative Phil talking? How about right side ruffian Phil talking? We got to have a court system that we know will uphold the values, the standards, the constitution that the legal framework of this nation should allow to be upheld. All right, Boomer, take me to a break, brother. We'll do that. We're going to come back and sort of spend a little more time on this. And then top of the hour, 15 minutes from now, Matt Clark from the Alabama Center for Law and Liberty is going to call in with some updates on several cases, things he's been working and some that he's been tracking. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. Boomer, I did not realize to the extent that people love their weatherman. I mean, the text lines are just blown up with people talking about their weatherman. Yeah, and like uh, Dustin from Hazel Green. And by the way, he has a great idea. In fact, James Spann, I've actually thought about reaching out to him and doing a segment um, uh, with him on the show sometime because he's an interesting dude in general, and he actually used to um, own uh, a Christian radio program. Uh, so, so maybe we'll reach out to James Spann sometime soon, see what happens. Um, and then uh, uh, what else we got on here? John from Huntsville says, 13 years ago, I was a student in Dan Satterfield's environmental sciences class at Calhoun Community College. Um, and then he, he talks about another guy that he, he's, he's known. Um, Dustin from Hazel Green says, I also got to mention the guy named Gary England. Okay, there's Gary England. There's another one, Dan Satterfield, Bob Barron. I mentioned Bob Barron. And somebody said, um, Bob Barron, what a flash. There, there's Jeremy from Huntsville says, Bob Barron, talk about a blast from the past. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> JT from Lacey Springs says, H.D. Bagley from Channel 19. Um, all right, all you weather people, shout out to you. Uh, James Spann, he says, is the king of weather. It's a Tyler from Huntsville. He will tell George to get grandma to the shelter because he lives. <laughs> yes, he will. In fact, uh, this is a thing. James Spann was actually on the air when a tornado hit his house in the last couple of years. Boom. Oh, he was. I actually, my mom sent me a, a thing of that when yeah. I was up in Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was like, wow. He's on the air and he knows that's his neighborhood. Oh, that's... He's, he, like he called, I think, on, on air. I think he did. I think mm -hmm. he told his wife to get in the basement or something like that. Yeah. Man. Um, that's 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 pretty legit weather guy right there. Um, Brian from Huntsville. Uh, Gary Dobbs, he says. Okay. All right. Stephen from Gunnersville says, uh, FYI, Bob Barron has two different weather apps that work wonderful. And he does. That's why I'm saying I think Bob Barron is still very involved in weather. I have a nephew, by the way. Uh, my So shout out to, uh, to uh, my nephew, Taylor. Uh, Taylor has been a weather guy since he was a kid. Like it was, it was crazy. Like, so I remember when he would be three years old, whereas some kids would want to watch, you know, Paw Patrol or something. He would sit and watch the weather channel. Fascinated by it to this day. Uh, he's, he works in the weather industry now. He may even be working for Bob Barron now that I said that. Um, but anyway, there's, there's that. Uh, and I've got something here from a fellow soft dude named Bill from North Alabama. It says, uh, with regards to legals, get me back on topic here, brother. Uh, how would you address the current trend of federal, state agencies, and other entities that seem to be completely disregarding court rulings with regards to policies, regulations, and procedures, and what enforcement authority do the courts really have? Okay, great question. So here's why the courts are so important. Thank you, Bill. I uh, appreciate your service, by the way, fellow soft dude. Um, but the... The reality is, is, is this. There will be times the executive steps out of line and the courts have to put them back. It's, it's whole checks and balances. It's a checks and, and our system was set up. The, the, the founding fathers were genius. So our system was set up to have checks and balances. The executive branch can pass the laws. The, ex, I mean, excuse me, excuse me, the, the, the exec, think Phil, the, the legislative branch passes the laws. The executive branch is there to enforce and implement the laws, and the judicial branch is the checks and balances that decides whether or not those laws can or cannot, A, survive, or B, whether they're being enforced correctly. So that being said, your question, uh, Bill, if I understand it correctly, classic example of what you're talking about, the vaccine mandates. President Biden stood at the podium, I'll never forget this, and said, well, my advisors have told me that this will probably not withstand some kind of constitutional scrutiny, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> okay. Guess what? It didn't survive. 
because the courts had to intervene. Now, the courts do not take unilateral action. It requires somebody withstanding and actual damages or potential for damages to file suit and to get it through the court system to an appellate level that locks it in. Now, you can have a decision at the federal district court level, and it does not become necessarily controlling, if you will. That's, that's the word we use, controlling. It doesn't become a controlling precedent yet. It only becomes controlling when it has survived at the appellate level. And then it maintains that controlling status until it is either reversed and, or, or at the very least abrogated. Um, so all that to say, uh, to answer your question, Bill, yes, the court system cannot take unilateral action, but when given the opportunity, it will review and decide as to whether or not the laws or the actions or the executive orders or whatever, whether they are appropriate under the law of the land at the time. And the law that is immutable of the land at the time is always the Constitution. So if you have a constitutional question, well, there's a scrutiny level that, that has to be brought to bear on that. Because a constitutional question is the ultimate authority. You might have something that's not of a gray area. Economic development. Can you spend that money? Mm, we got to look at this and see. But if it's a First Amendment issue or a Second Amendment issue, uh, something to do with freedom of religion, like the vaccine mandates violating the, 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 the freedom of religion of certain people who ask for religious accommodation, those things matter. Well, there's a case that came out. Um, I, I got an article here from Newsweek uh, dated yesterday. It says the Supreme Court surprise ruling that went unnoticed. And it's, it's a case that I don't know that I care about per se. It's, it's a case in which it was decided just this past week on a 5-4 decision involving, it says, a Romanian-American dual citizen who failed to report millions of dollars in foreign bank accounts. The question before the court was, did he violate the Bank Secrecy Acts by failing to disclose? Well, the bottom line was they ruled in favor of the taxpayer, but here's the, th here's the thing. Here's what matters. They ruled in favor of the taxpayer but the, the justices did not align as conservative and liberal. On one side of the decision was Neil Gorsuch, Samuel Alito, Brett Kavanaugh, John Roberts, and Ketanji Brown-Jackson together. And on the other side was Clarence Thomas, Amy Coney Barrett, Sonia Sotomayor, and Elena Kagan. Really? So what you've got here, here's my point. The judicial branch still works. In, in the year, what year was this? In 2020, there was 46% uh, of the cases were actually unanimous decisions, meaning the liberal and conservative justices both agreed. Um, there were 30% in 2019. Uh, last year, it was one of the lower, because I, I think this is the decisions they were having to deal with. But all I'm saying is this. The court system, in my opinion, it still works. When you can have half the decisions are unanimous and a bunch of them come out with liberal and conservative justices agreeing with each other in their positions, that means the law is still the law, and the law is, for the most part, blindfold and is seeing things across the board. All right, we're going to come right back, talk to Matt Clark from the Alabama Center for Law and Liberty, get his perspective on things that are happening in the legal world and find out what's up. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
all you right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national, sometimes the international. And yes, like the dude just said, we covered all solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, I'm still in number one of the Triple Dipper, uh, calling it Law Review. So uh, I just went over for you some aspects of you know, jurisprudence that are just important for us to recognize that, that literally the checks and balances provided by that third branch of government, judicial branch, very often winds up being that thing that keeps everything else in line. Uh, it also can, can have an amazing effect on our day-to-day lives. Look at the Dobbs decision over, overturning Roe v. Wade and, and how that has revolutionized not just the abortion fight, but also the Tenth Amendment fights, where states have a right to, um, you know, establish their own laws uh, and and have a say in, in what is best for their their their, their own citizens. Um, any number of things need to be recognized in in terms of what's going on in the Supreme Court right now. Not the least of which, by the way, is how much it matters who gets appointed to the federal bench. And those appointments are ongoing right now as we speak. Confirmations are, are, are on a regular basis. Uh, and you can imagine the Biden administration appoints liberals, whereas the Trump administration did an amazing amount to assist the conservative cause by appointing those who, cons- who care about the law from a conservative view, like strict construction of the, um, of the Constitution. That being said, uh, my friend Matt Clark is with the Alabama Center for Law and Liberty. Uh, Matt has a long history of working in um, public interest law, recognize that there are cases out there that need a fight, and uh, and he's one of those who's not afraid to take the fight to him. So without further ado, let me bring on my friend from the Alabama Center for Law and Liberty, Matt Clark. Matt, how you doing today? Hey, Phil. I am great. It's a pleasure to be with you as always. How are you doing? I'm good, brother. I'm good. Thanks very much. Appreciate you making some time. Um, I know you've got several things you've been working on, and I want to just kind of run the gamut here and hear them. But there's also one case that was uh, drawing all kinds of protests on the steps of the Supreme Court yesterday with all kinds of people espousing things that don't really legally muster up um, regarding the the Biden student loan bailout. What do you know about that? Uh, Yeah, so that case has been followed closely in the news. It's going to have a major impact, um, obviously. And, and yeah, watching some of the protests on the steps of the Supreme Court has just been funny. Uh, You you know, Phil, you know that saying, and... Uh, the legal industry. If, if you got the law, argue the law. If you got uh, the facts, argue the facts. And if you got neither, pound the table and scream. And that, that seems to be what <laughs> we're seeing exactly from the right. right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the buy the student, the student loan forgiveness. Uh, you know, obviously there are many Americans that are burdened with that. And, you know, my family's one of them. I'm, I'm working really, really hard to pay back our student loans right now. And I would like a break. But, you know, I think morally the question is, is it right to take that, you know, 
burden off of me and place it on people who never signed up for it uh, to begin with, because they're the ones that are going to have to pay it back if, if I don't. That, that's what my problem is. Um, legally, though, and, and constitutionally speaking, uh, a lot of this comes back to uh, a doctrine that we call the major question doctrine, yeah. which I'm sure you know very well, but you know, if your audience doesn't, um, th- this has been on a winning streak in the Supreme Court over the last couple of years, and, and it holds that if an administrative agency uh, like the Department of Education is going to take action that has major uh, economic or social or political consequences, then they have to show that Congress clearly gave them the authorization to do this. Because uh, one of the problems is these executive branch agencies can um, they can find a statute, they can find some ambiguous language in there, and really stretch it to try to justify what they want to do. Um, so in this case, uh, the the authority to forgive student loans supposedly relies on a federal law called the Heroes Act, which was meant to give flexibility to our service members, um, you know, who who sign up to to serve our our, our country like you did, Phil, um, with, with with their student loans, uh, but. You know, kind of like a bad preacher that you know takes a Bible verse, you know, seriously out of context and, and uses it to make a completely unbiblical point. I mean, that's what the Biden administration has been doing with that provision of the Heroes Act to forgive four hundred billion dollars of uh, student loan debt for for all Americans, regardless of whether they served or not. Um, and it looked to me like the justices of the Supreme Court were very, very skeptical uh, about the Biden administration's ability to do that. I don't think they're going to let them get away with it. That, that, that's, that's what, I, what I've read so far seemed to indicate that the questioning from the justices, which doesn't always give it away, but the questioning from the justices seemed to indicate they were not in favor of the Biden position. Yeah, I think you're right, Phil. Um, oral argument went for about, I think, three and a half hours. Now, I'm, I'm going to concede up here. I didn't have three and a half hours to give to, to listen to that, so I, I have not listened to the recordings. But uh, I have you know read some some write ups from um, organizations like SCOTUS Blog, which really does a good job of you know boiling down what happened if if you don't have the time to listen for yourself. Um, and it seemed like at least the six conservative leaning justices, including Chief Justice Roberts. Um, uh, all seem very, very skeptical uh, that the Biden administration could get away with this. Um, and you're right, th- things can change between when the justices hear oral argument and when they come out with the opinion. But honestly, I, I think they're they're probably going to strike this down and, and not let Biden do it. Well, I, I think that's uh, yeah. I think you're right, and uh, that's going to be interesting to see. It's also it's it's one of the most egregious forms of fiscal overreach I think we've seen out of a very overreaching administration in general. So it's going to be it's going to be. I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll wind up seeing it. So if they heard oral arguments this month in in basically March, when will we expect the decision to come down? Would it be would it be a June or would it be coming in the next term? Uh, you know, I, I think it would probably come in June. The, the, the Supreme Court works really hard to um, try to get all the opinions out by the end of their term that they heard that term. Uh, every once in a while, they go over and they save it for, for the next term, but that's exceptionally rare, and, and I don't think they're going to do it here. So I think we will see an opinion by June, likely in June itself. That, that tends to be when the Supreme Court releases its its most controversial opinions. Okay. All right. Well, tell you what, uh, let's let's move on to something else. So uh, you you've been doing some work. The Center for Law and Liberty uh, has been really in the mix in the fight against um, vaccine mandates. And I know you guys just dealt with the University of Alabama uh, here most recently. Uh, tell us about that, because that's a, cl- that's a classic to me. That's a classic version of the, the conservative public interest law uh, organizations like yours uh, stepping out there and, and sort of getting in the mix for us. 
Well, thanks, Phil. And, and by the way, I mean, to, to, to give you credit here, um, you, you know, back when we were new in 2021, you know, one of our biggest fights was uh, against Vaccine Man. This was uh, against the United Launch Alliance. And you, you broke the story. You sounded the alarm on that. And when we got word, we were able to come in and try to help those folks. So th- thank you for your vigilance on this stuff as well. Um, but with the University of Alabama, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing less and less new vaccine mandate cases, but uh, they still pop up occasionally. And what happened at University of Alabama was its nursing program said, um, you know, for, for your nursing students, because our clinical sites require people to be vaccinated against COVID, you know, so if, if you're doing clinicals through us, you're going to go work at a hospital. They require you to be vaccinated against COVID, and that's because the federal government requires it. We are not going to entertain any requests for a religious exemption at all. Either get the jab or uh, you're out of the program. Wow. Um yeah, so our, our client was a uh, a sophomore at the University of Alabama, and she called us. She says, "Hey, I'm I'm going to get the axe here if nothing happens. You know, I, I've got I've got religious and ethical problems because of the connection to uh, aborted fetal cells. I, I don't think I can do this with good conscience." So we told her, "Hey, don't worry about it. We got you." So uh, I reached out to the general counsel for University of Alabama. Uh, he, he's a pretty reasonable guy, by the way. I like him. Um, and, and I told him, I said, listen, this student's been told by the administrator that uh, the, the, the federal government is not allowing any religious exemptions, and therefore she can't get them. I said, look, you and I, we're both lawyers. We both know that's wrong. Here's where the regulation specifically says you can have religious exemptions. Here's where the U.S. Constitution requires it. Here's where federal statutory law requires it. So, look, if we got to fight over this, I can beat you up five different ways. Or <laughs> you can do the easy thing. You can do the easy thing and just, you know, tell them, drop the mandate so we don't get sued. And, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, so they accommodated wow. our a client uh, immediately, you know, we, we gave him a deadline saying, you know, because she's going to be kicked out by this date, we're going to sue before then. So here's your deadline. But uh, they, they dropped it. They granted her the accommodation. And she wants everybody to know, hey, if you run into some more problems, the Alabama Center for Law will be easier to help you. Man, that's that's awesome. Uh, Matt, I, I, that, I, that one hadn't even been on my radar. So I am so glad to hear that. Um, and, and listen, we got about a minute before the break. Can you, can you hang on through the break and we'll talk some more afterwards? Is that yeah. all right with you? All right. So before we yeah, go to the absolutely. break though, let me ask you this, cause you were also dealing with similar issues. Uh, I, I think, was it St. Vincent's at one point that was, um, uh, UAB. Oh, UAB. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how's that resolving? Do we have any, any movement on that yet? Uh, no, I think UAB like, um, the University of Alabama chose to do it the easy way when I reached out to them. I threatened to sue them because, um, you know, federal law required uh, religious exemptions to be granted. But but beyond that, the, the, the more fundamental problem was they were a government entity, and Alabama law says if you're the government, you can't force people to get the COVID vaccine. So, you know, I said, hey, I got you. Yeah. So why don't you just drop it? And, and, and fortunately, they did. So we didn't need to sue them. And I have not heard of any more problems out of them. So okay. credit to UAB for doing the right thing. But if anybody else is in trouble, we're here to help. All right. Well, that's that's, that's a good word, man. All right, listen, uh, we'll take a break right now. Uh, we're with Matt Clark from the Alabama Center for Law and Liberty. Question I had from one of our texters early is, is about the ability to actually – get something done in the legal realm. And I think what you're hearing is you can get something done. Sometimes not even having to go to court, just showing somebody what the law is and straightening things out. Good stuff. Y'all stay tuned. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We will be right back.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. We're finishing up number one on the Triple Dipper. I'm just calling it Law Review because we've gone through several things so far. By the way, I want to point out to you, as I mentioned earlier, liberals seem to have the, 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 the way forward for their causes, legally speaking, with organizations like the ACLU and the SPLC and others. But more and more, conservatives have gotten into the realm of what we call public interest law with organizations like the American Enterprise Institute and uh, the Alliance Defending Freedom and the Heritage Foundation and the Pacific, uh, oh gosh, what's their name? The Pacific Legal Foundation and a number of others. And you've got one right here in Alabama called the Alabama Center for Law and Liberty. And that's my friend, Matt Clark. And so without further ado, let me go back to the phones with Matt. Matt, uh, let me jump back in with you. Uh, I love the things you were talking there about the, uh, the the recent fight yesterday in the Supreme Court. I say fight arguments uh, over the um, the spending, the uh, the student loan bailout. You've also talked about vaccine mandates, what you've done here in the state. But there's another case you brought to my attention when we were texting back and forth last night that could even affect the United Launch Alliance case that's uh, coming up before the Supreme Court. How's that going to work? So the the case name is Gross v. DeJoy. Um, and this is all about religious liberty in the workplace. Um, so, so a little bit of background here for, for the listeners. Um, uh, the, the vast majority of Americans enjoy uh, federally protected religious liberty in, in the workplace. That's protected by uh, Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, so that's the same law that protects people against racial discrimination, sex discrimination, uh, stuff like that. Um, now, uh, the, the, the statute says if... You know, an employee has a religious objection that conflicts with their workplace requirements, then it's the employer's job to accommodate the employee unless doing so would impose an undue hardship on the employer. Now, this isn't rocket science. This is common sense. It's based on the belief that religious freedom is is sacred. And so, generally speaking, if, if, you know, somebody comes to their boss and says, hey, I feel like it would be sin for me to do this. Is there any way we can work something out? You ought to try to work something out. Um... That may not be limitless, you know, like if I run a business that's open on Sundays and all of my employees uh, say, hey, Sunday's my Sabbath, well, i, I got to find somebody to work it. So, um, but, but generally speaking, the law is designed to, uh, to, to be able to grant reasonable accommodations. Now, the problem with it is in 1977, in a case called Trans World Airlines versus Hardison, the U.S. Supreme Court said that um, if the employer has to bear anything more than a de minimis cost, then it's an undue burden. So that has made really? it so easy to gut. Yeah, it, it is so easy for employers to get around that because what the law really has in mind is is the employer bearing some kind of substantial hardship. Uh, but if it's any more than a de minimis burden, then you know the employer says, "Sorry, can't do it. Do what I said, or you're fired." Um, that, that's exactly what happened in the United Launch Alliance case, where uh, United Launch Alliance, you know, fired 100% of their employees that um, uh, applied for a religious exemption. They're even like, "Look, I'll get tested for COVID weekly. I will pay for the testing, so the company doesn't have to do it. I'll wear a mask. I'll socially distance. I'm fine with that. Just don't make me get the vaccine." Come said, "Nope, forget it. You're fired if you don't get it." Um, so, so the United Launch Alliance case is still pending. Uh, but if the Supreme Court overrules Hardison in Groth and says, all right, undue burden means some kind of substantial hardship, then that's really going to you know, uh, change um, the fights in the lower courts, including the ones I'm handling. Wow. Uh, it's going to give us much, much greater chance of success. 
and, and I think we're going to see the, the, the kind of respect in the workplace for religious liberty that it really deserves. So do, do we know in that, in that case you're, you're mentioning there, Groff v. DeJoy, have, has the Supreme Court already agreed to take it up, or is it, is it something that's yeah. still pending for, for review? Yeah, they have. So they granted certiorari uh, about a month ago. Ah. Um, we, we, yeah, we did an amicus brief in support of the petition urging uh, the court to take the case. They granted it, and we just filed another one at the merit stage. Uh, there was something like, I think, 34 amicus briefs that came in at the merit stage. That's about, uh, I, I think that's the record for this year. So a lot of conservative public interest groups are, are very interested in this case. Well, I guess so. I mean, the vaccine mandates... You know, the, the, the entire case history of vaccine mandates across the spectrum uh, has really opened people's eyes to, and you find these niche issues. And, and this one, this undue burden piece is one niche issue that can unravel a lot of those cases. And, and, I, I, and I'm, I'm betting those amicus briefs were coming in from all angles from what you described. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, you know, it, it, we, we got a heck of a coalition. I saw groups, uh, like, like not, not only Christian groups, but Muslim groups, Jewish groups, Hindu groups, Buddhist groups. There were a bunch of people saying, hey, all of us that have different religious backgrounds have run into problems like this before, and we, we just we, we just want you guys to give the statute, you know, the, the respect it deserves and, you know, go, go with what Congress had intended from the beginning. That, that's all we want. That's fascinating. It, and I don't know I don't know how fascinated my audience is. I think I think it's fascinating, and I think you're doing a great job. So, Matt, listen, uh, if, if folks want to know how to find you or support what you're doing, where do they go? Uh, thanks, Phil. Uh, feel free to check out our website at alabamalawandliberty.org, and we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Law and Liberty AL. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you, Matt. Uh, we'll have you back on again as, as things develop. And if you hear any new things uh, regarding that uh, uh, Groffy to Joy case, too, let me know, all right? Sounds good. Thank you so much, Phil. All right. Thank you. Well, listen, that, that concludes number one of the Triple Dipper Law Review. But let me just end it with this. If you are, if you are at all fascinated with how the third co-equal branch of government uh, puts checks and balances for conservative causes in place, then, yeah, check out, for instance, you just heard Matt Clark, uh, Alabama Center for Law and Liberty. They've got, um, they, they got their website. Uh, you've also got other organizations that I would say check them out. Alliance Defending Freedom is one that I'm, I'm very keen on that works on a national level. The Federalist Society. The Federalist Society is, is out there to ensure the, 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 the constitutional uh, reviews uh, are, are strictly construed. Uh, you've got um, any number of uh, landmark legal foundation. You've got Pacific Legal Foundation. And just because they're Pacific legal, they work all over the nation, I can just tell you. Institute for Justice, American Center for, for Law and Justice. And then, and then yeah. They're, they're all over the place. But but find you one. Check them out once in a while. You may be shocked to see that's a case you actually care about that's going up for the Supreme Court. All right, we're coming right back with my favorite segment of the week, Boomer and McQueen. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
Hey, all you right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. And we are back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative and just plain right, covering down on some major ground across the beautiful state of Alabama. I'm talking about way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi, (laughs) thrown in just for good measure. Uh, Well, hey, listen, this is that, all right, it's that time of the week. I look forward to this, like you have no idea how much I look forward to this. So my favorite segment now has become this one. And we just call it Boomer and McQueen. So, yeah, Boomer, like me, he married up. And uh, the lovely McQueen yes. is here in studio with us. You better agree. Uh, but but we do a, a thing every week now where these two, who, by the way, host the newest addition to the Right Side Multiverse, which is the Right Life podcast. Uh, you guys uh, put out, like, up, I guess, two uh, two every Wednesday, right? Yeah, two a week. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, what are we up to now? A dozen of them are out now? Boomer? Yeah, about 30. Uh, we had a... We had a weird one. We have thirteen out right now. Oh, you can't leave it at thirteen, dude. I know. I got We got to. Oh, I think that's to me. That's like a lucky number. That's like like her favorite number. (laughs) Yeah, because everyone else does not like it. So I'm like, we're gonna make that awesome. All right. So without further ado, Boomer and McQueen. (laughs) Let's do it. And also, you could be an auctioneer from your little the way you can intro. Oh, thank you very much. All of Alabama to Tennessee. Yeah. Uh Just just all of it. All right. uh, You know the deal, you guys. I ping you with questions. At some point, you're allowed to ping me with questions, but. Here's my first question right out the gate. For those who don't know, you are both college athletes, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, yes, Boomer, baseball, you gymnastics. Yep. Um, you're both college athletes. Looking at today's environment, if you were told, if you were told that you had to compete with or share locker rooms with or be on the team with transgenders, uh, and if you didn't, you'd lose your scholarship. I mean, how would you respond to that right now? And by the way, I saw a story on this, which I'll tell you about after I hear y'all's thoughts uh, that just came out this morning. But um, uh, who's for? I'll tell you what. I'll go to you first. You got me first. All right. All right, gymnastics lady. Oh boy. Um, let's see. I guess my first reaction. I mean, it's hard to know exactly what I would do if I was without being in the situation. But from this perspective, mm-hmm. I think I would still, you know, I would still continue on and compete and stay you know with with the team I think if it was like only a specific school doing it I would very much like you know stand my ground and be like all right I'm not interested here that I'm going elsewhere but if it was like a universal you know countrywide NCAA decision because I think I could use my platform as an athlete as a collegiate athlete for good and to share the truth not my truth but share the truth and like what's what's right more so than just stepping away Okay, so let me ask you this though. But uh, what's her name? Uh, Riley Gaines, I think she's the swimmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she lost any number of medals to the transgender a guy who was mm-hmm. swimming in, in a girls' competition. What what if what if you were in your competition? You were actually being sort of put in second, third place, or or bumped out altogether of the of the standings. Yeah. Because of uh, a transgender who had that. Had... Gosh, yeah. It's just it's so hard. Like without being in that situation, if it was like if that's what was everywhere, you know, and it was not even like women gymnastics anymore that I mean I think that it's not women's gymnastics anymore but I also feel like you know we were all created I mean I say this like I feel like a couple I mean all the time that we were created in the image of God and he didn't just create us to be you know a blob and decide how we identify he created us in you know his image perfectly and also I think put 
put purpose in us and each of us have like have a mission and it like for me at that time in my life that was my mission field like being yeah. in the gym that was my mission field I'm gonna use that platform for to, to share to share the truth and, and let people know where I stand and also love people but even, again I know it's it's hard without being in that situation even, okay but you, you you can imagine the discomfort what about like having to share the locker room because the, the female swimmers on that team said that it, it got it got very uncomfortable mm-hmm. oh for sure and I mean I think that the way the way that we would hang out in the locker room and spend time in there and just like hang out it, it would not be like that it'd be a very uncomfortable situation and I think gymnastics is a little bit of a different or I have like a little different perspective just because you know a male coming over into a a female like a female dominant sport I mean there's men's gymnastics as well but I, I don't see it being as, you know, as frequent as maybe other sports, but it's just crazy to even think that this is going on and because it is, it's, it's going on and we're probably going to see it, you know, before too long. And it's crazy to wrap your brain around. Boomer, what do you think? <sighs> I, <laughs> okay. So I will, I will say this, um, in the baseball realm, I think we talked about this earlier, um, not today, but, um, maybe last week, you're not going to see many females, many come over to the male sports, especially the ones that are physical, because it didn't end so well for some of them that were in the hockey, hockey, the hockey, hockey match, league yeah. or fo- you know, some of the football things. I, so I, it, if I was there now, like, uh, like court was saying, like McQueen was just saying, I, I would actually enter the transfer portal unless it was <laughs> unanimous. <laughs> but, um, but if you didn't know this, Phil, that I um I actually hurt myself while I was in sports. Sure. And then I, I went in. Some people are going to make fun of me, and we're going to get text messages. And it's, it's okay. okay. I made fun of him for a long time too. Uh, I actually <laughs> was a cheerleader after that for a I, while. I get it, man. And if a dude came over to cheer and said, "Hey, man, how about you throw me up?" I'm I'm going to be like, no. <laughs> no, that makes me want to throw up. How about that? Yeah, exactly. Um, I went. You know, I, I enjoyed the cheerleading thing because I got to hang out with pretty girls all day, not pretty girl guys. It's, it's, it's kind of hard to argue with having the best looking girl in school sitting on your shoulders, right? Yeah. But um, I know I totally get it. Uh, um, but so, all right, let me let me flip the script a little bit. You you are both parents. How about at the age in which your kids are still, you know, dependent upon you to make those big decisions? Uh, you find out that at high school, your little girl, who's still a little, little, little bitty girl right now, but say she gets to high school and there's a dude in her locker room who claims to be a girl. Where, where do you stand on that one? He's, he just said it all right there. Yeah, Boomer's rolling his <laughs> sleeves up right now. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not okay. Not, not okay o- with it. Not okay. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. I mean, I just read an article and maybe the same one you just read, uh, Phil. The school in Vermont? Y- the Christian school in Vermont? Yeah. Yep. It just forfeited a playoff game because there was a transgender on the other side, and it wasn't fair because it was a basketball game. Girls basketball. Girls yeah. basketball. Wow. Yeah. And, I mean, and I but, think like, way to stand your ground. Like, that's what it's about. And that's the question is, so would you sacrifice your own scholarship? Were you on scholarship? Mm-hmm. You were. Yes, sir. Um, did you call me sir? Okay. Anyway, but you you sacrifice <laughs> you sacrifice your own scholarship, would you? And 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 I mean that's how your education is getting paid for. Yeah. Um, that, that's a hard decision for even a I mean just a young person to make. Yeah, I mean that is it's because, a, it's an unfortunate thing to put on someone's shoulders, you know, at that at that age. And I really like without being in that situation, like I don't know, and it would just depend on so many circumstances surrounding it. But well, you know where you stand as a parent if it were happening to your child. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Yeah, okay. I mean, why don't they just create a new league? 
Well, you know, good luck with that. Um, but, and they're and they're you know what the 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 argument is they shouldn't have to create a new league because they are a female or they are a male. They exactly. play in their normal exactly. sport, and, and and but yet they bring with them. It doesn't matter how many. I've got one article we might get into later in the show. I've, it doesn't matter how many um, uh, hormone treatments they go through. Uh, they never lose the muscular or skeletal makeup that they were born mm-hmm. with. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I absolutely agree with that. And I think they're just starting to still just kind of push it ever, ever so often, ever so little in these schools and see how much people are going to get a reaction. And oh, guess what? They're going to do it again in a few more months and then again in a few more months. And it's everybody's going to start being the uh, frogs in a pot. Well, it's, yes, say, it's, it's just like we're, they're brainwashing exactly us slowly. So we're not even aware of what what we, we're seeing and what's coming in front of I us have, every single day. I have a couple cousins that are in school that are said, oh, it's that transgender thing again. Oh, it, oh, it's the school is trying to push something on me. Oh, it's just that. I mean, there's no big deal. Ain't no, ain't big, no deal. big deal. Yeah, nothing mm-hmm. to see here. And it's sad. We're so used mm-hmm. to it. No, yeah. It's not. It well, is don't a get big used deal. To it. That's what I was talking about yesterday. My monologue was don't shrug your shoulders. Exactly. Yeah. Don't just shrug your shoulders and go, yeah, you know, what and do you do? parents should stand up for it and go question everything that's in these schools. So what do you guys say to, as long as we're continuing on this conversation, we may only have one question for the day here. <laughs> as long, what do you guys, you guys being former athletes who, who recognize you didn't have to get put in that position, but what do you say to the current athlete who feels like their own rights are being violated? What do you say to them? Uh, I mean, I just think the most important thing is just to be, to be truthful and you like, you know, athletes, especially they're on such a platform where like people listen to them and they have a voice. And I think it's just so important to be able to use it. Um, gosh, but it's also so important to stick, to stay true to what you, you know, what you believe in. And if it's something that you're like, you, you don't believe in, you're not okay with, I mean, standing up and saying, I'm not okay with that. I'm going to back out. Um, I just think, but using, when you have a platform to use for good, Mm -hmm. do it. And if, and if that's not going to be impactful, then I think that's kind of when you know that it's not the right thing to do. You know, and the hard part's going to be too for coaches who have that stance. Like you guys have a coach in your family. Um, and, and I won't bring up who, but you have a coach in the family who, uh, could very well wind up being put in that position mm-hmm. at some point in the future. Yeah. And then that coach has all the other players yep. or team members to think about. And, and that coach then, if that coach has a differing view or philosophy or, or, you know, a religious belief, um, don't they have a right to that too? And, mm-hmm. and, and so the question becomes, how do they protect everybody else on the team and yet still have to accommodate this thing they're told they have to accommodate. Mm. And I think the question becomes how many people are going to lose their jobs or quit their jobs because of that. Yeah. It's so tough. It really, it really is. And it's, it's just really unfortunate that it's, that's what it comes down to that you have to either just kind of just be quiet and everything's okay. Or if you have a, yeah, it's tough. Can't Uh, be quiet. And you gotta just, you have to stand firm on what you believe in and guess what guys, there are people out there that, uh, that believe the same thing you Mm -hmm. do. Yeah. And you're going to empower other people to do the same thing. Okay, I, I think too. I think the reality is this is where what Charlene says all the time comes into play. That there's more of us than there are of them. Yes, people are losing sight of the fact that the squeaky wheel does not mean that they are in the majority. Mm-hmm. They may be they may be shouting a lot right now, but the truth of the matter is, the conservative traditional values that you and I are talking about, the, the faith based decisions that we make. Uh, that say we don't want our child to have to share a locker room with someone of the opposite sex, mm-hmm. uh, or that you know we, we would even consider losing our scholarship if we were still athletes, uh, that those things, those matter, and there's more people who believe the way I just said and y'all just said mm-hmm. 
than there are of those who are screaming for a change. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. That was a whole segment, dude. That, that was. <laughs> I think that's so true. I mean, it's just exactly what you said. I think, it imp- and the more that we can do it, it empowers other people to do the same that are scared to speak up. So yeah. I just think, yes, yeah, staying true to what you believe in is so uh, crucial. I feel a podcast coming for you guys. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, all right, we just got some motivation or, yeah, Let's take inspiration it to a break. for this week. Let's take it to a break, dude. We'll do the break right now. We'll come right back. I'm with Boomer and McQueen. I love getting their perspective. Um, all right, you guys, everybody stay tuned. We will be right back. back phil williams right side radio solid conservative and just plain right making it cool to be a conservative well two cool conservatives are in the studio with me right now boomer and mcqueen so boomer runs the board every single day but his better three quarters is mcqueen and the two of them also have a uh, a podcast that comes out every week now uh you can get it it's called the right life podcast anywhere podcasts may be found you will find the right life podcast with boomer and mcqueen i encourage you to check it out uh, it is not only just fun to listen to, it's also uh, pretty educational. So uh, anyway, um, let's let's jump into the next question, uh, Boomer and McQueen. Let's do let's it. Do it. Uh, so I'm going to Boomer first on this one. So here's the deal. We've talked about school choice. The three of us have talked about it before. Um, we, we all, I think, are of a bent that we, we believe that school choice is necessary. Here's my question for you. All right. You guys being parents now, one, one of your youngins is now in school, so... With school choice being the hot topic, though, what is the fine line between parental rights in education and the school system being allowed to set the curriculum that they're going to use? Oh. What's the fine line there? Hmm. All right. So I would say um, math, English, uh, you know, all the cool subjects <laughs> like that that I was so good at <laughs> in school. Hey, you know, you're, you're good. Uh, good with it. But when it comes down to anything you're teaching my kid about their body or figuring out sexual things or anything like that, I need to know about it and I need to figure out exactly what you're teaching them in anatomy and biology. All right. So, all right. So mm. I, I remember having, well, I'll tell you what, I'll turn to you first and then I'll talk. What, mm-hmm. what your thoughts? Great. What's the, what's the gray area? Yeah. What's the fine line? Well, I feel like it used to be a very fine line. I feel like it's a lot broader than it, than it used yeah. to be. I mean, I think just to put it in perspective, I can remember being in like fifth, sixth grade and was a was a good student and had difficulty in science for a couple of years because I refused to put that the earth was billions of years old during the dinosaur you know during those units. Okay. Look how far we have fallen from that. I mean that was the issue 25 years ago that mm. dinosaurs and the earth is not billions of years old. I mean not dinosaurs, but the earth is billions of years old. Right. And now what's being taught in school. So like, I feel like it used to be, you know, my parents were like, yep, when you're at school, you are under the authority of school and the principal and the teachers, they make the calls. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like that now. So that line is so has gone is so on the opposite end of the, I don't even know what chart at this point. Um, And I don't quite know, like even where 
I mean, you know, we've talked about this many times that this is why we moved, but it's still not even guaranteed that in a Christian school where it's, you know, where it's biblically, biblically based and someone that loves Jesus that's in cor- incorporating and teaching all this, you know, you still can't guarantee what's what's being taught or that you're going to be okay with it as a parent. So I, 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 I don't think, even know what quite the right answer is. I, I think I think the, the the reality is there's been a blurring of the lines, I mean, a watering down of the standards of mm-hmm. what a teacher some teachers, some, some, right? Yeah, think, not all. For think sure. that they're allowed to get away with, mm-hmm. and they believe that they're there not just for the um, the the elementary aspects of education, uh, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic, things that are supposed to be immutable and unchangeable. Um, they're they're they now believe they're there for the social mm-hmm. development of your child, which, by the way, school is a social process. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, unless you're, you know, educating your child uh, at home by themselves with no other interaction, school is generally speaking a great place for kids to learn social skills. But but it's different when they teach that the teachers decide to teach a value that is not matching the child uh, yeah. the child's home. Right. Or uh, teaching things that go completely against what the Bible tells us. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, I will say during the uh, the COVID era is when a lot of these parents started really realizing what's yeah. being taught to mm-hmm. their kids. And that's when we've we started having not started having all these issues. But, yeah, that's when they started realizing, oh, my word, we need to figure this out. It used to, it used to be the there were there were certain folks that might have glommed onto like common core or they might have mm-hmm. gotten hold of something that was shouldn't be in this school or that's and, and luckily it's somewhere in another state now you're right parents began to wake up to things that were happening everywhere to include right here in conservative alabama right mm-hmm. absolutely well and i was just reading an article i think just today and it was out of um it was out of washington so it was but it was just you know schools there were like it's whatever the students say you know they identify as like that's all privileged information to that teacher that they do not need to share with the parent like the kid can choose who it is shared with so it doesn't have to be shared with the parent and this applies through from k through fifth grade so here you could have a our kid a five-year-old Choose today. He's a dog. I mean, he's literally a dog today. <laughs> he's he went Dr. to school Seuss as a dog. He's Dr. Seuss. Dr. I saw Seuss. it. He's Max. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was his way of getting to wear his dog costume. I mean, so if he said that that's how I identify, don't tell my parents. They're going to honor that because of that legislation oh and gosh. what's allowed. I'd say no. When it involves anything like that, they, that's when they need to involve the parents. So, oh, absolutely. Man. So a difference between the the structural aspects of real learning. And the idea of putting an agenda into the learning. Right. There should be no agenda to it. It should be the X's and O's of math or, you know, science or anything of that. Nothing else that they want to add in to uh, mold our children. Yeah. Well, and, and certainly not keeping secrets from the parents, like right. you just yeah, said. Yeah, it should which be Which to me flies in the face of common sense. Yes, And yes. decency, for that matter. Decency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, and I get it. Somebody, well, some, some of these children don't have a good home life. Yeah, that's the, that's the minority. That's mm-hmm. the, and that's also not your excuse. Yep. Um, all right. Well, wow, we didn't even, I, man, we just... We didn't even get to anything else. Uh, oh, can I ask you one thing? With, well, with you about, have like 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. What you got? <laughs> I'll save it. What? Really? You just gonna? Yeah, because I don't have time. She's holding it back now. She's like, nah. Now I'm just so curious what she was gonna ask me. (laughs) 
You just told me that when the music plays, we're done. Thousands of right side ruffians are out there going, what was she going to ask? What was she going to say? We don't know. I'll save it for next week. All right. I love you guys, both of you. Boomer and McQueen. And you can also catch them on the Right Life podcast, anywhere podcasts may be found. Look them up, the Right Life. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, coming right back for hour number two and the second part of the Dippers. We'll be right back. Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios for hour number three. Local, state, national, covering all the issues. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, listen, folks, we got a, a new advertiser on the show. And let me just let me just take a minute and tell you about them. The Elm Foundation. That's E-L-M, the Elm Foundation. And how cool is this? I mean, and I love, I saw a story today, actually, that I may make it part of the show tomorrow that says that, that one mayor uh, in uh, California, believe it or not, Coronado is, is, is really got a policy that is helping people out of homelessness, and he literally has no homelessness in his city despite the fact that he is in Coronado, which is close to San Diego and all the others. That being said, we have a new advertiser on the show called the Elm Foundation, E-L-M. And the Elm Foundation, well, they're, they're a faith-based nonprofit based in North uh, Alabama, right there in Huntsville, and, and their, their role in life is not to do hand outs, but hand ups to give people what it takes to, to equip them to get out of, you know, the, the negative lifestyles and, and, and homelessness. And, and th- they literally provide opportunities for education, job skills, uh, financial management, stewardship of, of their assets. And, and, and it's just, to me, it's very cool. In fact, it's the way it's supposed to be. Uh, and so, yeah, the Elm Foundation, you can check them out. They're at Elm, it's E-L-M-H-S-V, which is like Elm Huntsville, E-L-M-H-S-V.org, ElmHuntsville.org. Check them out. I, I, I just think this is very cool, and I'm glad they decided to partner with Right Side Radio. Um, okay, so listen, we're going to switch gears now. Number two on the Triple Dipper, I don't know if we'll get to three, boom. We'll just see how it, it goes. Not. We may not. <laughs> we'll just, we'll do what we got to do. When you got great content, you know, you just go with it, but... Um, gender benders, number two, it's amazing to me that we are having to have this conversation on such a regular basis. Why? Because there's a constant scratching and clawing of the liberal progressive left to demand that we defy common sense and the laws of natural science to say that there are more than two genders. 
Let me go ahead and state unequivocally, in case you had any questions in your own mind, there are only two genders. Two. Just two. One, two. Male, female. Genders. Period. That's it. And by the way, that's not controversial. It's really not. It's science. It's real. It's just the way it is. If you are born a dude, embrace it and be a dude. And if you have predilections that make you, you know, want to join the gay lifestyle, well, I can't, I can't say don't, but what I can say is you're still a dude. And oh, by the way, same for females. You were born this way or that way, and there's no such thing as identifying. All that is is you choosing to try and be something you're not. But the gender benders that we've got going on right now in, in, in terms of the public policy, and, and it's amazing to me that we have to even have this conversation at all. And I'm, by the way, I'm not just old school. Oh, Phil, you're just old school. You're old fashioned. No, not really. <laughs> I got news. Just because you got some new fashion doesn't make old fashioned old. Write that down, Boomer. <laughs> but yeah, so the, so the truth is this weird conversation we're having to constantly have, it shouldn't be happening at all. Like, for instance, I pulled this off of local news, WESH, uh, out of uh, Florida, Tallahassee, I believe. So Florida, once again, leading the realm of uh, anti-woke legislation, new Florida bill would restrict the use of gender pronouns in school. First of all, like I said earlier when we were talking with Boomer McQueen, it's amazing to me we're having to have this conversation. Why are we having to have this conversation? Why is it a thing that we're going to let kids who are not old enough to vote, old enough to drive, old enough to drink, old enough to um, have consensual relations with adults, old enough to uh, sign contracts, none of the things that our law already says kids are not able to do because they are deemed by the law to be age inappropriate to do those things. Why are we allowing them to decide that they're a different gender? When did that become a thing? Well, you're just suppressing their natural self. No, 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 I'm not actually, no. You're not affirming their natural self. This whole idea of gender affirmation treatment, no, you're not. You're gender disaffirmation treatments. That's what they are. You don't want them to be the way they were made to be. You don't believe they should be embraced for who they were born as. You want to impress upon them that, you know what, you're actually a mistake. And we recognize that now that you know you're a mistake, that you might need some treatments or some surgeries to help you not be a mistake anymore. Well, first of all, from a religious perspective, I don't believe that God makes mistakes. I believe if someone was born male, born female, it was intentional. That being said, even if you don't embrace my faith, I would also say that common sense indicates that the way someone was born can be embraced. Now, I'm not talking about they have a birth defect. I'm not talking about if they have a, a, a physical disability that can be fixed by modern medicine or science. That's not what I'm talking about. You're talking about changing the whole person. Well, gender benders, you're just wrong. And this show is always going to stand up for the idea that a child was born male or female, and that is okay. And they should be affirmed for that, not disaffirmed for that. But the story that I've got out of WESH uh, in, in Florida, I, I got sidetracked. I got off on a side rant there, bud. Um, on Tuesday of last week, story is dated uh, yesterday, but on Tuesday of last week, 
actually it may have been yesterday or this week actually, Tuesday of this week, a bill was filed in the Florida House of Representatives that would restrict the use of preferred gender pronouns in schools. According to the online filing, it says House Bill 1223 would require schools to adopt policies that support the notion that a person's sex is an immutable biological trait. Isn't that amazing? We have to have legislative action to say that a person's sex is an immutable biological trait. Why do we have to have a legislature get involved with that? But the fact is, apparently, we do. I mean, here's, here's how the law reads. You ready? Quote, it shall be the policy of every public K-12 educational institution that is provided or authorized by the Constitution and laws of the state of Florida that a person's sex is an immutable biological trait and that it is a falsehood to ascribe to a person a pronoun that does not correspond to that person's sex. Goes on to say the bill would also ban employees and students from being required to refer to a person by their pronouns that don't correspond. It also goes on to say that uh, employees of public schools shall be prohibited from referring to a student by his or her pronouns. Now, here's the thing. A guy named Randy Fine, Representative Randy Fine, and I, and I know Representative Fine. I actually met him at a conference. Uh, Representative Randy Fine came out pretty strongly in support of this bill. He says, we follow science in Florida. and We stand up for parental rights. This bill does both. And then he said this. He said, the first bill says, first thing the bill says is you are what you are. Florida's not going to be in the stupid pick your pronoun fantasy world that the woke left wants to waste our time with. And the other thing is it's going to do is it's going to say that we're going to keep gender identity and sexual orientation discussions out of school. There you have it. But the fact that we're having to have this conversation so I am very proud of the fact that Alabama did pass what we call the VCAP bill, the Vulnerable Child and uh, Protection uh, Act. Um, and, and that was passed to prevent transgender therapies and surgeries. By the way, they're not gender-affirming care. That's the, that's the, they want to call it that because it softens the blow. It's just, it's just gender-affirming care. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's gender-changing treatment. It's not just gender affirming care. You can't call. I can tell you right now, it's not gender affirming because you didn't affirm the gender. Mississippi, proud to say, has joined Alabama. As of yesterday, story from the Epoch Times: Mississippi bans gender affirming care for minors. Mississippi has become the latest state to ban healthcare professionals from providing so-called gender affirming care for transgender youth in what officials say will stop the attempt to push a sick and twisted ideology on children. Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves, I like Tate Reeves, Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves, a Republican, signed the GOP-led House Bill 1125, also known as the Regulate Experimental Adolescent Procedures, or the REAP Act, into law on February 28th, so this week. Under the legislation, it says, effective immediately, individuals in the state are banned from knowingly engaging in conduct that aids or abets in the performance or inducement of gender transition procedures for Mississippians under the age of 18. So see, what they're doing is saying the same thing I said the other day. Common sense dictates that if a child wants to go through some kind of major life-altering treatments, that they can do so when they reach the age of majority because there is zero harm to them Oh, but Phil, it's a psychological harm. Yeah, if you keep on telling them that they're a mistake. Maybe you, mom and dad activist. Maybe you, LGBTQ activists. Maybe you, uh, weak-kneed individuals who sit idly by and watch bad things happen. Maybe you should start just affirming, you know, I, I hear you say you feel like a female, 
but I want you to know um, you're a great guy, just so you know. I hear you saying, young woman, that um, you feel like you're a tomboy. Maybe that makes you uh, a, a dude. It doesn't, and you need to understand, you make a great girl, period. It's okay. Have those conversations. The gender benders are out there trying to do everything they can to destroy lives is what it boils down to by not affirming someone and by telling them that they are a mistake from the day they were born. You are literally destroying their psyche by doing that. You are making them a victim. I am, I am wrong. I was born a mistake. I will always be a victim. I'm never going to be right. It's going to take medicine to fix me. No, it's not. You're okay. Hey, kid, you're okay. Hey, young man, young woman, you're a young man or a young woman, and God made you that way, and you're wonderful in the eyes of God. So how about, how about no, we're not going down that road. I'm going to call you a guy because you're a guy, and you make a great guy. And the same is true for young women. Affirm who they are for crying out loud. Stop, stop going with your activist route because the day that you stop doing that kind of affirmation, you have stepped over into the realm of destroying their lives by telling them they're a victim and that they're a mistake. All right. Take a break right now, Boomer. I'll come right back. More of this. You're going to want to hear some of the maddening things that are happening in gender bender world. Like, for instance, oh, my gosh, over in Great Britain, the Isle of Man, they got a major investigation going on with some stuff happening like, I don't know, 73 genders in school. We'll talk about it. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back. back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right. Little Foo Fighters there, little Foo Fighter bump. Got some. Yeah, so we're going to test out some new bumps later on. So you, you got any more Foo Fighters coming, do you think? Uh, no more uh-oh. No, no more, more Foo Fighters. No, no more Foos? No more Foos. No I need to find some that allows us to play it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the that's the trick. Yeah, the trick is finding the ones we're not going to get uh, pegged with royalty demands for us <laughs> <laughs> or penalties. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. Hey, listen, uh, before I go any further, I got to tell you guys, ZLA Solutions, ZLA Solutions, they have been with us since the day this show went on the air. And, and ZLA Solutions is doing an amazing, epic, good job at getting people and jobs lined up. They're actually in the major push right now. They've got a big thing they're hiring for high tech, white collar uh, jobs uh, at a new facility at Redstone Arsenal. So you can find out all the things they do at ZLAUSA.com. They've got all kinds of business and solutions they can help you with. Bread and butter for them, though, still hiring. All right, they can, be, they can do temp or direct hire. 
They can do the recruiting, the background checks, the drug testing if necessary. They can do blue collar, white collar, no collar, don't matter. They can do the onesies and twosies with special niche skills, or they can put you a whole shift of people together uh, and get them in there. Uh, ZLA Solutions at ZLAUSA.com. Got a story here. We're in number two of the triple dipper, gender benders, which may wind up taking us to the top of the hour at this point. But uh, gender benders, so I, I, I am advocating right now. You know, I say the show exists for the purpose of being able to do what I call the four E's. For our audience, we want to educate, enlighten, empower, and entertain you on what it means to walk as a conservative in today's world. So when you have those water cooler conversations, that if, 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 we, if I find out that we have helped you in some way put words to the way you feel, then, then we have accomplished our job, all right? Uh, so, so truthfully, what I'm trying to say right now, this whole gender bender thing, um, it, you're allowed to talk about it. The idea that you, 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 can't, you can't say that. Yes, you can. Last I checked, we had freedom of speech and freedom of expression and, you know, freedom of religion and all that to say, if you don't agree, guess what? The vast majority of Americans don't agree with most of what's happening in terms of the gender bend. The whole idea of transgenderism is, it, you know, it used to be called transvestites with cross-dressing. Somewhere along the line, we, we got into this whole new idea. No, no, it's more than that. I actually identify. I identify and I've had treatments. Really? Okay, well, you know, I had somebody text in a minute ago, isn't this, wouldn't this be considered a, uh, like, almost like, like bipolar or, or split personality? Aren't you in some way, isn't there a psychological aspect of this? Yes, there is. It's gender dysphoria is what it's often referred to as. And, by the way, it is, there, study after study has shown that these treatments they're doing on kids in some places, which I'm glad to say Alabama has banned, these treatments they're doing on kids that, that they, that the vast majority of kids who have gender dysphoria actually grow out of it. I got a couple of articles here that I'll probably get to before we get to the top of the hour that talk about detransitioning now. Well, but when the, when the, when the idea is, is there, not the idea, when the reality is there, that the vast majority of people don't agree with what I'm talking about, then how is it we keep seeing it? How does it get thrown in our face every day? Squeaky wheel. The whole squeaky wheel principle. We were talking off the air earlier with Boomer McQueen, and, and I made the comment that just because they're the squeaky wheel doesn't mean that they're the majority. It just means they're loud right now. And I'm telling you, I think they're wearing out their welcome. Like, for instance, on the Isle of Man. Isle of Man, Great Britain, in the Isle of Man. Headline from the post-millennial. Sex education classes are canceled on the Isle of Man after a drag queen allegedly taught children there are 73 genders. That's a headline. That headline should be a lampooned, you know, line from a Saturday Night Live skit, but it's not. It's a headline of something that actually happened. Sex ed classes have been suspended in the Isle of Man schools and a formal investigation launched after a drag queen. First of all, why was a drag queen in class teaching? Why? Question number one. Launched a drag queen allegedly taught 11-year-olds that there are 73 genders and other grade seven groups were taught about, and I'm not going to describe them, but goes into sex acts that these kids were taught. The Isle of Man government has now launched an independent review of its sex ed curriculum. You think? 
in response to parental complaints about the graphic, disproportionate, indecent presentation involving descriptions of sexual acts and discussions about gender identities in the lessons. In the lessons. When one reportedly upset child disagreed about there being 73 genders, responding that there's really only two, the drag queen allegedly said, you've upset me, and made the student leave the class. I kid you not. This is a headline that should be a skit from a Saturday Night Live spoof. Folks, I'm going to tell you, you have a right to be mad about this stuff. You have a right to say no. You have a right to discuss it. You have a right to an opinion. More on this when we get back. Gender Benders, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Right Side Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right. back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, covering down on some major ground across the northern half of the beautiful state of Alabama. I'm talking about this show goes way on down south of Birmingham, way up north of Huntsville, from Tuscaloosa, way back over to Gadsden, and I mean parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi even thrown in just for good measure. Um, so gender benders, I think we're sticking with this topic for a while, Boomer. We're going to take it all the way to the top of the hour, it looks like. Um, the um, so you may recall, uh, just a month-ish ago, uh, maybe in December, but I think it was in January, early February, uh, there was a, a story that broke on 1819 News, I believe it was, that um, a, a school in St. Clair County uh, had been uh, sending out a, uh, a survey for kids to take that, 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 you know, basically questioned different gender identities and how they want to identify. And then, you know, they, they shut it down. There was also one down in South Alabama, and the superintendent stepped in and said that was inappropriate and that shouldn't have happened. It won't happen again. Um, out in Oregon, I feel like we're always talking about Oregon, Boomer. Just, just we, we always are. I mean, Oregon keeps giving us fodder for the show, I guess. Yeah. Um, sixth graders in Oregon, according to the Daily Mail, sixth graders in Oregon have been asked to fill out a state health survey. Not a one-off teacher got hold of something she shouldn't have done or he shouldn't have done in class. Nope. This is a state-sponsored health survey. And to define their gender and sexuality, they had 12 options to choose from. Demi-boy, demi-girl, and agender was even on there. What the heck is that? 
Does anybody know what that is? Like, I don't even, I don't know what those are. How are they supposed to know what those are? Can you look up Demi Boy and tell me what that means? Be careful I mean, what website like, you go to, by the way. Oh. <laughs> the survey, it says, launched in 2020 and issued every two years, has recently been sent to young people across the state with different versions for 6th, 8th, and 11th graders. The 6th grade children, ages 11 and 12, are asked in question 13 out of 76 questions whether they would identify themselves as a boy or a girl. Other options include demi-boy, demi-girl, non-binary, gender-fluid, and agender. Native Americans are also given the option of identifying as two-spirit, which is a person who identifies as having both a masculine and femi- feminine spirit. What? What you got? Demi-boy? All right. So what it says is a demi-boy is a person who feels their gender identity partially identifies with a masculine identity, but is not wholly binary. Same to go with demi-girl. So you're like a little bit girl, but just, not just all the way. A, just a little bit. Like a piece of me is. Just, just a bit, like a tad. Yeah, like I painted my, my a percentage. My yeah, my hands are my hands. boy hands, but I'm a <laughs> girl. Whatever. Oh man. Question fourteen out in Oregon says, ask whether they consider themselves to be transgender. Question fifteen, they're given ten options, including pansexual, asexual, and aromantic. Aromantic. The frick. Oregon's health authority stresses that the survey is voluntary and parents can opt their children out. My question is, why is the state of Oregon promoting this in the first place? Why is it being given at all? Why, why is this a state thing? Why does the state even care if a 11-year-old thinks that they're partly a girl? I, I don't... Why is that a question? Why are tax dollars being used to do this? Now, granted, I've got a... I've got a... Um, a, a, a core set of beliefs that, that that finds this to be objectionable regardless. But I still have to ask, even if I believed in the transgender agenda, even if I did, why would I still think it's okay for this to be the thing to test kids on or to survey the kids on? Why? Well, here's the other thing that's happening. Some corporations, in, a, in an effort to be woke, are um, are saying that right now, hey, we'll, hey if you want to travel, if you work for us, we'll pay for you to fly to another state to have that gender transition therapy if you need it. We'll do that for you. Really? Interesting. Are there any liabilities involved with that? Well, down in Florida, and by the way, I got this article off of vice.com. Phil, you went to vice? Yes, I did. It was actually pretty interesting, but I wanted to see what the other side of the you know ideological spectrum had to say about the same topic that I pulled off of National Review. So I got the same topic, <laughs> dated the same date, February 21st, one from Vice and one from National Review. They start off okay, and then you can tell the difference. Um, here it is. They call it the Reverse Woke Act in Florida. Florida again. The Reverse Woke Act has now been dropped in to the state legislature for consideration uh, in the House, I believe, in Florida. So the GOP lawmaker introduced a bill that will force businesses that pay for gender-affirming care, this is vice, gender-affirming care, to also have to pay for subsequent detransitions in a bid to further restrict access to life-saving health care for transgender people. See, there it went. You can tell that was the vice article. This is going to restrict access to life-saving health care. Why is it life-saving? Anyway. The Reverse Woke Act, or Senate Bill, oh, okay, it's a Senate Bill, I'm sorry, or SB 952, would force businesses that cover gender-affirming care to be financially responsible for subsequent detransitions 
even for employees who no longer work for the company. Wow. Wow. So the bill would require any employer that funds out-of-state travel for workers to also be provide, able to provide gender or, or have access to the transitioning care if they needed to. It says 27 companies in Florida have reportedly voiced a commitment to pay for gender-affirming care and related travel. According to the proposed bill, any company that fails to cover such detransitions, though, could be sued for damages. So let's. here's the thing. You're a company, and you're so woke that you're going to wind up paying people to fly out of state to get a surgery or a hormonal procedure so they can transition to their new identity because you don't want to affirm who they are as a person. Okay. And when that person has regrets, and they do, by the way, and we're allowed to talk about it, they do. When they have regrets, where are you going to be then? Are you going to pay to help them correct those regrets? Well, the studies show, say Vice, that gender-affirming care is not harmful. It's life-saving because trans people are more likely to experience mental health struggles, including anxiety, depression, and PTSD, and I'm not mocking that. What I'm saying is perhaps part of the reason why their mental health issues are more pronounced is because you refuse to affirm them as for how they were originally born. You've, you've helped them buy into the idea that they are a mistake and therefore a victim. Well, National Review has a different take on it. National Review points out that the proposal comes months after the Florida Board of Medicine and the State Board of Osteopathic Medicine both voted to ban puberty blockers and sex reassignment surgeries as treatments for transgender minors in the state. And Florida is also one of at least nine states that prohibits Medicaid covering gender transitions. Oh, so maybe it's more than just, well, it's life-saving treatment advice. Here's the thing. It truly is. So I don't know if you guys have, have, have heard of a guy named Chris Beck, who formerly had called himself Kristen Beck. Chris Beck is a former Navy SEAL. Uh, he's, he's, he's definitely beating some of the stereotypes here. Chris Beck is a former Navy SEAL, and he's also a former transgender woman who has announced his detransition and said it's time for America to wake up. This story came out in December, Washington Examiner. I encourage you to look it up. He is having major regrets. And by the way, he's not the only one. Detransitioning, because you cannot have this level of emphasis for transition without wind up having just the opposite. The detransitions are going to become a thing too. More and more, we're hearing people with buyer's remorse um, on, on going through transition therapies. This guy, Chris Beck, he says, everything you see on CNN with my face, don't believe a word of it. He said, everything that happened to me for the last 10 years destroyed my life. He says, I destroyed my life. He said, I am not a victim. I did this to myself. But then he adds, but I had help. He says, I take full responsibility. He said, but I look back and recognize that I was in a bad place and I was used and I was very naive and I was in a really bad way and I got taken advantage of. He said, I got propagandized. I got used badly by a lot of people who had knowledge way beyond me. They knew what they were doing, and I didn't. And now this guy who's been deployed 13 times, awarded over 50 decorations, served as a, as a SEAL on SEAL Team 6, by the way. He's, he's, he's saying there's thousands of gender clinics being put up all over America, and as soon as children go in and say, I'm a tomboy, or this makes me feel uncomfortable, and the psychologist goes, oh, okay, you're transgender. Next thing you know, you're on hormones. He said, does this seem right? He said, I'm telling America to wake up. That's a former Navy SEAL who was in the life, y'all, who was in the life. 
who will say himself, I was in a bad place mentally, and I also got used by those who have an agenda. And now he's regretting it, and he's detransitioning. And so this whole idea of Florida's reverse woke act, I'm for it. Because if you're a company that's going to disaffirm someone's natural state, if you're going to say, you know what, we won't ever get caught not hiring women for good jobs. We won't ever get caught discriminating against someone for their physical handicaps. We won't ever be the company that fires someone because they were pregnant. We will make sure that we have equal pay for men and women. If you're the company that says you're going to do all those things, that you need to be the company, by the way, that doesn't say, oh, you want to be a woman? Well, you know what? You are a mistake. Let's take care of that. And then pay for them to fly out of state for life-altering surgeries. I got news. That's an elective procedure. If they want to do it as an adult, maybe you shouldn't enable it. Just let them be who they were born to be. And oh, by the way, it's okay for us to have this conversation because detransitioning is becoming a word that's just as prevalent in the news now as transition. And it's okay for us to talk about it. All right, Boomer, take me to the last break, brother. I'll go ahead and take that one. We'll save the uh, China is here discussion for tomorrow. But, folks, I'm going to tell you, this gender bender thing, it's real. And, and the myths of gender identity, there's no such thing. You got gender born, period. Bill Williams, Right Side Radio, not afraid to say it. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. Hey, Boomer, so as we go through new bump music later on, I want to keep that one. I just, I just, we can't, we can't do away with that We're one. We're probably going to keep everything. No, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, we need as many as we can We get. got a repertoire of like 900 <laughs> yeah. bumps. Okay. Um, hey, speaking of which, something else I want to keep is Just Love Coffee Cafe. So they have been a sponsor of ours almost as long as ZLA. And uh, yeah, Just Love Coffee Cafe Two locations in our listening area, one on Hughes Road in Madison, the other on South Parkway in Huntsville. They do an amazing job. And so let me just describe to you, do they have food? Oh, yes, they do. Do they have great environment? Oh, yes, they do. Do they give back to the community? Yes. And their name is also Just Love Coffee. So I'm just telling you, they got great coffee, award-winning dry roast coffees. They can grind the beans fresh, make you a cup of steaming black coffee you know, light roast, medium, dark roast, doesn't matter. But then you've also got what Charlene calls the treat coffees, the espressos, the lattes, the cappuccinos. So just saying, all of it. And they, by the way, I love the service there too. I have never gone to Just Love Coffee Cafe at either location and had a a time when I didn't feel like the staff was on top of it. So yeah, check them out. Just Love Coffee Cafe, two locations in our listening area, one on Hughes Road in Madison, the other on South Parkway in Huntsville. And do me a favor, tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. 
Um, oh, hey, I got a caller online. Is that Jeff from Indiana? Jeff Rowe from Indiana. What are you doing? I'm heading down the road, man. I'm going in the right direction. Today's my Friday. <laughs> well, that, well, you're heading north. That means you're going uphill, right? I'm going uphill. I'm in Tennessee, <laughs> man. It's all uphill from here. <laughs> uh, what but, you thinking? Uh, can you name me another mental illness other than gender dysphoria that we have to placate to? I mean, that, you know, if I'm a kleptomaniac, do you do, do you have to let me steal from you because it's a mental illness? I mean, I can't help myself. I mean, <laughs> every other thing, name me another illness that, that everybody has to bow down and play along with other than gender sport. Gender dysphoria. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, but I, what I will say this though, it feels like in the last few years, the the tables got kind of flipped. And like, for instance, you were allowed to riot and burn city streets as long as it was because you were using the word racism. You know, or or you're you're allowed to teach kids about sexuality as long as you're also espousing transgenderism. You know, it just it just it boggles the mind, Jeff. Well, I'm uh, maybe we should have a. a, a some kind of mental illness that gets Joe Biden out of the White House. <laughs> we, we just can't help ourselves. we got to get him out. <laughs> uh, listen, I, I look at that, and, you know, that's, that's the other common sense conversation we should be allowed to have. He does not appear to be well. I mean, let's just be honest. He appears frail. Mm -hmm. He, he, he says things that don't make sense. He says things that are embarrassing. He's like having the, the, the crazy uncle at the Thanksgiving table that you kind of wish somebody would say, please stop talking. No, no, it, it's the it's the Democratic voting bloc. I believe they're the ones who are mentally ill. Oh uh, well, I mean, anybody? Yeah, I mean we've we've got a lot bigger problem than just Joe Biden because uh, uh, he was put in there by a majority of the electorate in the United States. That just says we're over half of us are nuts. Well, so so they say. Now you know there's that there's the other thing you're not allowed to talk about. The election had issues, and everybody knows it did, but you're not allowed to talk about it. So I, I'm just saying. Oh no! Yeah, just, just no, Phil. It was it was a it was the most honest election in history, wasn't it? I mean, more people voted for Joe Biden than ever than any other Democratic. Uh, it's, it's see now, figure, so. now I'm worried about your mental health, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta be crazy. I'm driving a truck, man. You gotta be insane. <laughs> man, you're what you're what keeps America moving. You're part of the wheels of commerce. You're the reason why we have eggs in, in the store. I'm just saying. Oh, I got a flat tire. <laughs> oh man! All right. my, my wheels got my wheels losing air fast, man. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, listen, we gotta go. You be safe on the road. We'll talk to you again soon. Have a good one, Phil. See you, buddy. Oh, man. I got it. By the way, uh, Boomer, I'll be honest with you. We just got a text from John from Huntsville. Our, our grades are in for the day. Oh, uh, John boy. from Huntsville says, Phil, the quality of today's show was awesome. A-plus for you. And Boomer gets an A-plus-plus for being a genius. <laughs> <laughs> I am a genius. So, yeah, so okay. He says you, you faked an injury so you could hang out with a bunch of hot cheerleaders. Absolutely it may or brilliant. may not have happened. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, listen. Let me let me let me put a capstone on that last discussion. All right. So so here's here's the thing. Uh, I, I am not one of those who believes that you have to hate the sinner. All right. I, I I believe that you can dislike the behavior and still not dislike the person. So this show is not going to be the one that says those people are just evil. Now I think they do evil things. Some of them, and the activists uh, in in the in the transgender world are certainly, in my opinion, following an evil agenda. But what I am saying overall is this. We are not going to win the battle by dissing on people left and right. 
we are going to win the battle by affirming that their natural state, the way they were born, is okay. And when a child, by the way, says, I'm a tomboy, what does that mean? Am I really a guy? No, you're not. You're a little girl who likes to play rough. But I'm a, I'm a boy, and, and I, I thought it was kind of cool that, uh, you know, playing with dolls. Well, here's a G.I. Joe, and you're a guy, and it's okay. You're all right, you're, you're, and I affirm you as a guy. Um, we have to get back to the business of affirming kids for who they are. And that's scriptural. If we believe, by the way, if you're a Christian and you believe that, that we are all made in the image of God, well, then you have to go ahead and recognize that the way someone is born means something, and it means something important. And if you also believe, though, that um, a child has got a developing, a developing brain, a developing personality, a developing psyche, then you have to affirm them as they go and recognize that there's going to be left and right limits because if they don't know what's right or wrong, then they'll wind up stumbling into things they don't need to be a part of. So you give them their left and right limits, and that's just part of life. It is. Everybody needs to know where's black and white versus gray. And I used to work in the therapy setting with adolescents who had some real problems. And I'll never forget, the families that felt funny about making rules for their kids, their kids had problems because people need to know what their left and right limits are. So I'm just saying, don't be afraid as a parent or as an adult in a kid's life to affirm who they are, naturally speaking. And when someone says, but I want to I identify this way, you can say, I believe you're great the way you are. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. You guys have an amazing night. Boomer and I back here tomorrow, too. We'll see you then. Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right.